So Pastor John's been going through a series about uh, dealing with offense. And today, we're going to work our way through when we are offended, what do we do? And our first instinct is to get revenge. Our first instinct is to say, I'll get you back. So we're going to look, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to look at what the Bible says about revenge. There's going to be four passages of Scripture. Uh, I know it seems like a lot, but it's not going to be. They're, they're real short. But I think they're going to really uh, link into what God's mind and heart is about revenge. So we'll pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll dig in. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that we can spend together as a church, and I pray that your Holy Spirit be active in here today, Father, that you would open up our ears, especially of our hearts and our minds, to what you have for us today. I'm so looking forward to uh, your Holy Spirit working in us and uh, through us in a supernatural way. And Father, just uh, invite you into our conversation today. Thankful for all you do. Thankful for your Son. Thankful for your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us and works through us and in us uh, continually and never giving up on us. Father, we pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start, and all this hinges on uh, this passage of Scripture. So we're going to read, it's uh, Matthew 5, 38 through 42, and then we're going we're gonna to build on what Jesus says about revenge. So let me know when you get there. What a beautiful day, right? This makes me want to garden, this makes me want to go out and fish. I am ready for global warming, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for a little bit of that. Right? This is April. It's not supposed to be freezing and snowing and, yeah, it makes me think I'm back in Wisconsin. No, thanks. Beautiful state, by the way. I don't want to disparage anybody from Wisconsin. But. All right, Matthew 5, 38 through 42. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whatever com whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. So we're going to be dealing with what happens when people do offensive things to us. And Jesus says, have you heard that it was, or you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And this is from Leviticus, and this is the old law. And Jesus is quoting this, but he, what he's saying is, this was originally put in place to limit punitive damages. So back in the day, if somebody did something wrong to you and you took them to court, and say the wrong cost you like 50 shekels, you go to court and you win your case, they're going to pay you 50 shekels. There was no pain and suffering. There was no punitive damages. You know, it wasn't the fact of, um, you know, this cost me 50 shekels and I won 50 shekels because of the pain and suffering I was involved. No. You got your 50 shekels and that was it. An eye for an eye. And Jesus says, that's the law, but let's think about this differently for a minute. 
He says, But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, he's not talking about if someone physically assaults you, you're not supposed to just sit there and take it, right? We're going to see here in a little bit, Paul says, if it's, if it's up to you, live peaceably with people. Now, that doesn't mean if someone comes up to you and hits you that you're supposed to just sit there and take it, right? You have a right to defend yourself. But this is about personal insult. And we live in a world that is offended. I mean, they have figured out ways to be offended I didn't even know existed. And they, they do it on Twitter, they do it on Facebook, they do it on Instagram. I mean, and I don't, you know, I don't have any of those things. I, and there's play platforms I don't even know exist where people are, you know, people can get offended because you're not offended by things. Right? And Jesus says, yeah, you know, don't get offended by that. Let it go. And then he says, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. This is about suing people about legal contention, right? As, as believers, we're not supposed to be suing other believers. That's got to be an absolute last resort. We're supposed to be able to work that out. Because I don't know if, if any of you have been involved in a, in a legal dispute, but at the end of it, nobody's happy but the lawyer because he got paid, right? No offense to the lawyers out there. But it can cause a lot of bitterness. And it may solve the issue, but it creates a lot of bitterness between the two parties. And that is never solved. And Jesus says, that is not a good way to handle things. And he says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, in Jesus' day, if a Roman soldier was marching along and he saw you along the side of the road, he could compel you to, to grab his pack and hike it one mile. You couldn't say no, you couldn't look the other way, you couldn't do anything. You had to do it. You were compelled to do so. And Jesus says, do it. Do it willingly. As a matter of fact, go two miles. Go the extra mile for this guy. And we're going to start seeing a, a, a theme run through here. Don't get insulted. And now he says, go the extra mile for somebody. And then he says, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, we need to have discernment about what we give and who do we give it to, right? If you have children, you don't give anything to your children that they want, right? If they come up to you and say, hey, give me that. Yeah, sure, whatever. We don't do that, right? We have discernment. And he's not saying just throw discernment out the window, but what he's saying is, if you have it, give it. And this is echoed actually in Proverbs. There's a proverb that says, if your neighbor comes to you and needs something and you have it, give it to him. Don't tell him to come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. He says, give it to him. So we're seeing Jesus lay out how we are to interact with people who might be offensive to us. When I got to thinking about revenge... I really thought initially, I don't have much of a problem with revenge. And I really didn't think I did. And I thought I was being sincere about that. Um, when we lived in Wisconsin, um, I lived in, in Milwaukee, or we, I worked in Milwaukee, but we lived in a little town of Burlington. And Burlington was about 30 miles southwest of Milwaukee. And we had lived out in the country, and I was a good country kid, and I didn't have much in the way of road rage 
until I moved to Wisconsin. And they will tell you, Wisconsin people will tell you, they're the worst drivers in the world. They have no idea what a turn signal is or how to use it. And the same with cruise control. And it drove me nuts. And about a year into this, I am full on road rage. Right? And I have no idea what's going on with these people, but they're zipping in and out of traffic. I mean, it's just driving me crazy. So I started thinking, all right, I'll get you. I'll hang on your bumper, or I'll hang on this guy's bumper, and I'm not going to let you do what you're wanting to do. Now, that's some pretty, like, passive-aggressive revenge, right? But it took, a, it took a root in my heart. And to this day, I am a little road ragey even now. And to give you a good indication of that, I'm, I'm going to tell a story on myself, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize from the beginning because if this is you, I don't mean offense, I really don't, but we were going to the home garden show yesterday at um, the Weeborg Center, and we pull into the parking lot, and I pull in behind a Honda Civic, who must be doing like two miles an hour looking for the perfect parking spot. And you see these people, right? They're all over the place. They're in Walmart. They're in Target. Right? And my first reaction, now be mindful, I am less than 12 hours away from giving a message about revenge. And my first reaction is, you've got to be kidding me. Now be mindful... They're giving away burritos for a quarter inside this place, right? Why are we dragging our feet? (laughs) I mean, looking for the, you know, and I'm, I'm not even just thinking this. I am expressing this out loud. They're all the same. Pick one. Pick a spot, right? Come on. And, and Mert's like, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, they're looking where the door is or, you know, I mean, she's got great response, right? Which was, should have been my response, which is, I don't know what's going on with this person. I have no idea. They could be, uh, you know, 96 years old. I don't, I don't know what their deal, you know, I don't know. But that is not my first reaction. My first reaction is, all right, you're going to look for that perfect spot. All right. I'm thinking now in my mind, I'll get that perfect spot. That is not the way to be, right? And Jesus says, don't be like that. This is echoed in Romans chapter 12. Paul's talking about taking offense and about the evil that we confront in our lives. In Romans chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 17, Paul says, repay no one evil for evil. Now, there you go. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. All men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, see, he echoes that twice. It's not just believers. It's everybody. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so he will heap, you will heap coals of fire on his head. 
And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It is our natural tendency when we're offended or we're wronged is to give it right back, isn't it? That is our first inclination. By our sin nature, we are, in a way, designed to to react that way. I'll get you. And Paul says, no, not your place. That's God's job. Right? He says, give place to wrath. Put it in its proper spot. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The problem is that God's vengeance isn't on my time. Right? I want immediate satisfaction for this wrong. The problem is it, it may not happen until I'm gone. Well, that's not right. I want to see these people pay. And he says, no, that's my job. I am a, uh, I'm a union representative for railroad train crews for a large western railroad. And the people I deal with on a daily basis, meaning the railroad, are difficult. They're difficult people. And I think purposely so. They, they're, they're just like that. And I think I thought about this the other day about um, don't overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have a choice to make when we are um, confronted with evil. And we can either respond with evil like our sinful nature tells us to do and we like to do because it feels good for the moment, or we can overcome evil with good. We can be like Jesus and have his heart and his mind about that, and we can say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take offense. I'm going to go the extra mile from you. In fact, I'm going to give you whatever you need. That's how I'm going to treat this. So this really came home to me Friday about repaying evil for evil and about taking vengeance that is not ours. We are dealing with an issue in a yard, a rail yard, where this yard has been in existence since probably like 1928. And at that point in time, the, the, the switching limits of this place were established. It's, and switching limits are, are the limits for which a yard crew can work, right? After, outside of that, it has to be a road crew. Well, in 1928, they established the switching limits for this yard. And over the course of close to 100 years, the limits are now in the middle of the yard, so the railroad calls us up and says, hey, according to the 1972 agreement, we have to have good working switching limits for this yard. Let's establish switching limits for this yard. It's going to help them out. The railroad wants this. It's going to help them out to define where yard and road guys can go. It's pretty simple, right? I mean, worst case scenario is we go to this yard and we stand there and go, okay, here's the milepost here. Here it is here. Does everybody agree? Okay. Seems pretty simple, right? But the railroad called up and wanted it from us as an organization. So what does the organization do? No. We're going to make this painful. So the first letter out of our office on Friday was, this yard is not subject to the 1972 national agreement, and your request is improper. We didn't have to do that. But 
We did it, and I'm saying we because I'm part of that office. We did it because we could and because it felt good because we're getting back at the railroad. And that is not the proper place for our wrath. Paul says that God says vengeance is mine. I will repay. The problem is that who knows when the railroad is going to get repaid for being difficult, right? So we're going to take it on us to do it now because here's our opportunity. God says no. So confronted with evil, and you walk out the front door of your house, you're going to be confronted with evil. And you have a choice. You have a choice whether you're going to overcome it with good or you're going to participate in it. And if you participate giving evil for evil, you're going to have a ton of help, and that's from the devil. I can guarantee the devil was sitting in the back seat of my truck yesterday going, yeah, give it to him. What are they doing? What are they doing? Looking for a perfect spot? They're all the same. Tell them. You're right. They're all the same. Come on. I had a choice to overcome that with good, and I didn't. So, are there instances in the Bible where people overcome evil with good? And there's two of them, quickly, that come to mind. One of them is David and Saul. Saul was trying to kill David. David had two opportunities to kill Saul and didn't. Now, if you read the Psalms, you're going to know that David is looking for vengeance on all kinds of people. He's got friends that are betraying him. He's got cohorts that are betraying him. Saul betrayed him. But he doesn't take vengeance on his own. He had an opportunity. Saul was literally right in front of him, could have killed him, and David didn't because it wasn't the proper place for his wrath. That was God's place, not his. The other one I found that was really interesting, to me anyway, was Luke chapter 9, and that was verses uh, 51 through 56. Luke writes, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went out, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Jesus is going along. This is his final trip to Jerusalem. He's going along. And he comes to a Samaritan village, and the Samaritan village, villagers tell him, keep moving, move on, reject him. And James and John, the sons of thunder, say, you know what? You know what would be really great, Jesus? Let's firebomb him. And Jesus says, no, no. You don't know what spirit you're of. Because that's not his spirit, right? That's not the Holy Spirit's answer to this problem. That's the spirit of the devil, right? That's his attitude towards this thing. I mean, can you imagine having the opportunity or the ability to rain down fire from heaven? (laughs) It would look like a nuclear wasteland between Burlington and Milwaukee, right? I would have been doing it every day. 
And Jesus says, no. That's not the right spirit to have. That's not my spirit. And in fact, hearkening back to Matthew, where he says, go the extra mile, Jesus then says, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men, but to save them. Now, my question to you, rhetorically, is, how many times are you offended, and do you not take offense, go the extra mile for them, give them what they want, and then pray for their salvation? That came up, for me, a big goose egg, sadly enough. That is the last thing on my mind, is when somebody does me wrong that I pray for their salvation. I hope that they repent and they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's my first reaction. That is like my 10th reaction. My first reaction is like James and John and I'm looking for the firebomb. And Jesus says, no. That's not of my spirit. I want you to think about their eternal salvation. The writer of Hebrews addresses this idea of bitterness and resentment and revenge. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, the writer says, pursue peace with all people. Here we see that all people again. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. That phrase, fall short of the grace of God, is actually an interesting phrase that really means to fall short of the grace of God that's moving. We're falling short of something that's a moving target. God's grace does never stay somewhere It's always moving. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is telling his his disciples, you know, you couldn't couldn't sit with me for an hour and pray? And then he says, get up and let's go. Right? He's not going to linger on it. He's not going to do anything about, you know, he's just going to, we're going to move on. That is the grace of God that's falling short of, falling short of something that's moving on. Revenge or the need to have revenge, the writer says, is a root that produces nothing but bitterness. It produces bitterness and resentment. I mean, you know, it can feel good initially to take revenge, but that's a hollow victory. Because at the end of the day, it's going to do nothing but make you bitter and resentful towards people. And remember, we have now heard three times this phrase, all people. That's not just just believers. That's all people we encounter. Everybody we encounter, we're supposed to be gracious to. We're supposed to not take offense. We're supposed to go the extra mile. We're supposed to give them what they need. Everybody we come in contact with. And it just occurred to me that the person we most come in contact with is the person we live with. And how often do I want to rain down fire on my wife? I mean, not literally. Well, no, not literally. There's been a couple of times over the last 20 years I've 
Maybe, but... Right? But instead of bitterness and resentment, wouldn't it be great to have a spirit that takes root in us that produces love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? That's the kind of fruit I want. I don't want a, a bitterness and, and resentment coming out of my heart. At the end of the day, God's grace that has been extended to me needs to be extended to other people. David says in the 23rd Psalm that his cup overflows. He doesn't put another cup underneath it to catch it, right? It overflows. It's supposed to overflow us. I was saved on November 30th, 1999. I was 35 years old, and up to that point in time, I was a professional adolescent. I had worked construction. I had just started with the railroad about four years or five years prior to that. Um, both industries are industries that are rough. There's rough people in them. Um, they're male-dominated, and they are rough, and I was rough. And on November 30th, 1999, God reached his, his saving hand down to me. I reached up a hand of faith, and I was saved. Now, at that point in time, what God did not do, which is his right to do, is when I cried out and said, God, save me, he didn't say, yeah, hold on a second. Let's talk about those 35 years first. Because I got a list here of the things you've been doing for the last 35 years, and they're not great. He did not do that. Thank you. What did he do? He extended his grace. He took that sin, put it on his son, and said, let's move on. And separated them from me, like Ken said, as far as the east is from the west. Grace upon grace. It sounds cheesy, and it came to me last night during the, during the Saturday night service, but it's true. It's amazing grace. What I deserved... And what most people deserve is revenge or wrath or, uh, you know, some kind of punishment. And what I got was grace. So at the end of the day, the grace that is extended to us and has been extended to us should be extended to other people. That's really what Jesus is saying. Don't take offense. Don't sue people. Go the extra mile for them. If they have, need something and you have it, give it to them. And this isn't rocket surgery, right? It's overcoming evil with good. That's what Paul says. And if you don't take offense and you don't sue people and you go the extra mile for them and you give them what they need and, by the way, you pray for their repentance and salvation... What's that going to produce? I'll tell you what's not going to produce. It's not going to produce a root of bitterness in your heart. It's going to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what it's going to produce. There is um, themes that run through the Bible. One of the themes is sanctification. It's this idea 
that once we're saved, we're set apart, right? But sanctification also through the Holy Spirit is an ongoing process. And the Bible says it's not done until we're done, until we're in heaven. And until then, we are working out our salvation. Some people say are working out our sanctification. And I think that's part of this. That we, as we get God's heart in mind about offense and about being offended, that we are transformed by that somehow. We get his mind. We become more like him. And that's the ultimate goal. And Paul says it'll heap coals of fire on their head. At first, I didn't understand what that meant, you know, and, and it took me, actually, it took me quite a while to figure out what they mean by heaping coals of fire on somebody's head. And I, and I think it finally came to me, and I was talking to Shane in between services, and it really solidified it for me. Um, but it's this idea that um, when you don't respond to evil with evil, but you respond to evil with good, um, that's, that works on people. There was a point in time in my life where I could have taken revenge on somebody, and I didn't. And years later, he comes back to me, and he says, you know, you had every right, and you didn't, and I am so sorry for my part in this. It worked on him over the years. But what it produced was somebody that was at odds with me we're not friends, but we're friendly. Interesting byproduct of that. John Trapp in the 1600s wrote, it were to be wished that we would first consult with Christ in his word before we stir hand or foot to revenge. If you take anything away from this this weekend, if you are looking for revenge or you're looking to pay somebody back, and when I say you, I am including me in on that, right? Because you've now, I have been transparent enough that you've seen my track record as of yesterday. Yesterday, right? If anybody ever stands up here and says they got it all figured out, run a million miles in the opposite direction from that guy because he doesn't. And I don't. So I'm lumping me in with you. If you take anything away from this weekend, is let's get God's heart and mind about people that offend us. And what is that? You go the extra mile for them. You don't sue them. You give them what they need. You don't take offense. You pray for them. And you let God handle it. God will handle it. It may not happen in the time frame you want. It may not happen in your lifetime. But it will happen and God will deal with it. His word tells us it's not our job. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And part of being obedient is understanding what our role is, right? It says, place for wrath. What's the proper place for it? It's not with us. It's with God. So if you take anything away, being obedient to what God says about revenge, and it's not our place. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word that instructs us, sometimes in a way that is just, it's to the quick, but it's clear and it's concise, 
And I'm so thankful for it. So thankful that we can open your book when this happens and, and you have a, an, a, not only one example, but you have multiple examples of people who are offended and don't take offense and they leave it in your hands. So Father, I pray that as we go out today in the real world and we deal with people, not just saved people, but all people, that we would not take offense and we would have your heart and mind about that. And now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much. We pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.